in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Arthur Stone, and with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. Hey, listeners, this is Andy Hart, and we're rolling out to the world's wackiest, bizarrest, most conspiracy-laden events. I need you riding shotgun. This is Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Oh, Guy Fieri showed up for yeah. a little bit. Yeah, good to have him on the show. Again. Listeners, tweet at Guy Fieri. Have him come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about a conspiracy or an alien thing. Uh, we'll talk about a ghost he saw in a restaurant or something. <laughs> yeah. It'll be a great show. Hey, the only ghost I ever see in the restaurant is the ghost that comes out of my asshole from the diarrhea that I get from eating food. Oh, my God. And a ghost comes out. A ghost comes out. Like a little Pac-Man ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Inky, blinky, and stinky. <laughs> and that's your, uh, that's that's commonly what you were referred to in elementary school as well. That's what teachers would call you. Yeah, inky, blinky, and stinky. Yeah. Speaking of stinky. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing stanky. This, uh, hey, Andy, this, this episode reeks <laughs> with... Uh, History, history with uh, drama, with tragedy, with truly, yeah, yeah, disgust. It. Let's say this, Andy. Today's body topic, fluids. Yeah, well, yeah, those as well. Uh, was sent in by a listener. Yes, this uh, topic today comes to us from uh, our new friend uh, Anastasia. Anastasia sent in the topic today. We're discussing the conspiracy behind Anastasia, Anastasia. Romanov. Anastasia said, check out Anastasia. Now, hang on just a minute here. <laughs> Anastasia said, check out Anastasia. Pretty suspicious if you ask me. Pretty Art. sus, Anastasia. You got a lot to answer for. You got a for. lot of explaining to do. You got a lot of explaining to do. Oh, boy. Look at that. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Anastasia, for sending this in. We really appreciate it. If you want to send in a topic for Andy and I to discuss Send us an email, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Tweet at us at mrbunkerpod. Slide into our Instagram DMs at mrbunkerpod. Yeah. And uh, just like this, we'll uh, we'll happily cover it if if we can find something to sink our teeth onto. If Mr. Bunker says, gives us the green light, then That's you right. better believe we put the pedal to the metal and we go, go, go. Listeners, if you want to put the pedal to the metal and go, go, go and get right to the story, and this is quite a story. This is a hefty story. It's a hefty one. 
It's this is not hefty, hefty, hefty. <laughs> not wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. That's right. Uh, not a happy story. <laughs> no, it's sad. It will make you feel bad, probably. It's very depressing. But uh, if you want to go right ahead to all that, um, go right ahead and look in our show notes. There is a timestamp for when the research begins, so you can skip right ahead. But uh, because first, Andy and I are going to talk about how we got captured. This week, listeners, we want you to know uh, and we want each other to know how we ended up here uh, this week. That's right. Um, And so as is tradition, uh, Art and I both share as it shall be. This is the way. This is the way. Andy doesn't watch The Mandalorian. No. Nope. get that reference. But the Mandalorian is pretty good. I haven't seen it. I don't have Disney Plus yet. I bet you're going to get it. We'll see what happens. Maybe this Christmas. Jing, All right. jing, jing, jingle, 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 jingle. It's me, Santa Claus. Oh, I thought that was like the change jingling in your pocket. No, you're going to spend bells. on uh, jingle Disney bells. Plus. <laughs> jingle bells. All the Simpsons episodes are on it. Yeah, that's true. Every Simpsons ever. Uh, but in Letterbox, Yes. Cropped. There are some people who are pissed about that because it's not 4-3 anymore. Yes. The they stretched issue, it out to 16-9. The issue is that they crop out some visual gags. Right. Like there's this one gag where they go to the Duff factory and they find out that like Duff Light, regular Duff, Duff and something dry. else. Duff Dry are all the same beer. Yeah. Just one one tube. Right. Comes out three different places. Yeah. That's the only gag that I've seen so far. That's been that man out. never had a duff in his life. <laughs> Isn't that Nixon? And he's like, yeah. He says, President I Kennedy. I, I enjoy a. I enjoy a. a lager. President Kennedy says that he's gonna have a duff beer, and he drinks. I think he drinks a duff beer on camera, <laughs> and then uh, Nixon says, "I, uh, I too would like to express my fondness for that particular brand of beer." <laughs> Uh, it is a little, I mean, obviously I never watched the original Simpsons, so I think. Those, you only watched the new Simpsons. Yeah. The reboot. That's right. <laughs> I'm so into it. It's so funny. <laughs> the John Favreau directed live action version of the Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Um. So a lot of those gags are lost on me, but hey, yeah. I've been enjoying watching it and The Mandalorian is good. It's the only good Recent Star Wars thing that's come out besides the animated stuff. I mean, I know I've mentioned this on the show before, but I saw The Force Awakens, and that turned me off for the the Disney Star Wars. We've universe. talked about it before. Mistakes were made. Things happened. Things were said. Andy still feels a little hurt by it, but I'm fine now. No, nah, you're fine now. I'm. Uh, I feel vindicated in yeah. my dislike because now everybody's on my page. Listen. All right, we're not going to get into it. We'll get into it later. Maybe later in the discussion. We'll okay, okay, we'll talk about we it. We need to talk about how we got captured. Okay, let's talk about how we got captured. So, so Art, today, uh, this is how I got captured. I go to the <laughs> Field Museum. Uh, the, uh, uh, for our non-Chicago listeners, the Field Museum is the uh, Museum of Natural History here in yes. Chicago. Um, beautiful uh, facility uh, right in the museum campus in the heart of the city. Right there. Uh, right on the lakeshore. Uh, the Field Museum is great. A um, lot of class trips go there. I mean, I can recall... Tons of times summer camp would go there. If uh, if you're visiting Chicago and you have time to make it to the Field Museum, it is definitely worth the trip. It's a huge uh, building with many exhibits. Yeah. Uh, rotating uh, basis. Famously, Sue the T-Rex. Yes. Was there for a long time, and I got to see is that Is there T-Rex. still again? Oh, that's right. Then they, they re-erected it. Yeah. Sue's back. Uh, so, I mean, 
if you get a chance, go. It's a great time. I, I went there today. Of course, by yourself. By, my, by myself, of course. Yeah. Uh, because... Uh, you want to bring your family uh, along No, this you. is... I I need me time. That's right. This is me time. So you go do typically fun family adventures by yourself. That's your right, way to relax. Right. Um, you know, I feel like I'm... Everybody already knows about the Field Museum in my family, so nobody's gaining anything. So if there's an exhibit I want to see, I might as well go, right? <laughs> sure. They dude. don't need to see it. Sure. I mean, nobody else is interested in it. The, the new exhibit that I wanted to see, it's uh, the world's largest collection of wigs and hair pieces worn by celebrities, world leaders, wow. uh, and the like. Um, it's called, it's a wig, 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 wig world. Um, and they have all the famous wigs, weaves, and toupees. There's John Travolta, Nicolas Cage, <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton, Ben Affleck, James Trafficant, uh, Rand Paul, Ben Nelson, and Rand uh, Paul. And my favorite, uh, the Two and a Half Men wing, uh, where you can see both Charlie Sheen and John Cryer's toupees. Uh, great exhibit. They wore toupees. Yeah, of course. Look at them. They uh, there's toupees all over. Ugh. Uh, I mean, check it out, folks. Uh, it's a wig, 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 wig world. Um, it, it's uh, it was great. It was a real hair raising experience. Um, I'm leaving the museum, and uh, it, it's really, really windy outside. Like I look over, you know, the museum campus, as we mentioned, it's on the lake shore. Right on the lake. Right on the lake. I can see, I can look over at the lake. The lake is angry. I can see it, it thrashing. Uh, It's thrashing the shore and the retaining walls. The lake is just slapping against there. Water's spraying in the air and stuff. The sky is getting dark. And I think to myself, oh shit, I got to get inside. Rain squalls are coming. (laughs) Rain squall. So I walk as briskly as my stubby legs will carry me. Uh, you much like Sue the T Rex, right? Well, stubby arms. You have stubby legs. Yeah, stubby legs. I'm like a I'm like a handstand T Rex. <laughs> so as fast as my stubby legs will carry my fat body, I am like, <laughs> oh my god, I am shuffling back toward the museum. Uh, suddenly, a, a humongous wave rises from the lake, and I see immediately. That riding the crest of the wave is Atabe, the Taino supreme goddess. Wait, what? I, 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 like, look, Art, I... How do you pull that reference? I almost certainly, I mean, it's easy. I mean, it's like, I, I know that it's, it's Atabe because she's nude in the wave. Like, I mean... You sick fuck. I undoubtedly Make almost... contact. Almost certainly angered the gods because I'm loose with observation of ceremonial purging through induced vomiting. I don't like to do it. What religion is this? Taino. Um, so Adebe rides the wave over to me and Never heard that religion. Though I'm running, catches me and swallows me up. The wave gets me. I'm pushed down to the very bottom of Lake Michigan. Wow. And I must have died in the process because on the bottom of the lake, it's paradise. I was certainly in Koi Bay. I spent a wonderful afternoon there. But when night fell, I transformed into a bat. I had an insatiable lust for guava fruit. <laughs> and I could smell it in the air. And I I fly away from the lake. And it brings me all the way here to the bunker. Where there's no guava fruit at all. It's no. some guava scented candle. There's plenty of guano. So now there's I'm no guava. So then I turned back into myself and here I am. Um Okay, wow, Andy, a lot of things happening. Yeah, this was a wild Sunday. You pretty much 
confirm the existence of a of a deity. Yep, that's true. Uh, you polymorphed into another species. Yeah, I died though. That's <laughs> that's how that happened. I was dead. Okay, you died, but I've somehow manifested myself back in the corporeal realm. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. It fucking sucked. <laughs> Just another fucking day, right? Just another day. I mean, I was at the Field Museum, and that was great. <laughs> Wish that's where it would have ended, you know? Yeah. I had a great time at the wig, 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 wig world. Wow. Uh, I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin. Do we think Bunker had a hand in this in some way? Yeah, I think he did. I think he's got some sort of spiritual powers. So he summoned a goddess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you saw her nude? Yeah. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Hell yeah. Riding the wave nude. Very fucking cool. Yeah, it was a pretty cool day, but then I died. <laughs> oh, <You> yeah. <laughs> then I got taken to the bottom of the lake and died. But then I went <laughs> to paradise, and that was pretty cool. But then I got turned into a bat and had to come look for guava fruit, and then that's how Mr. Bunker got me. It's with that guava-scented candle. Well, I, I'm glad that he has it, because when you were a bat, you must have dropped a lot of guano. Yeah. It's guano everywhere. It stinks. Yeah. Stanky. Yeah, that's where the guano came from was me as a bat. Yeah. I didn't immediately turn back into a human. I had enough time to drop guano everywhere around the bunker. <laughs> yeah, good good thing they have that candle though. Um Jesus. It smells Andy. good. It smells like guava. That is a uh that is heavy. <laughs> yeah, I've had a day art. Wow. I I'm at a loss for words, to be honest with you. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put you in this state. Well, anyway, Andy. You want to tell me how you got here? Sure. I'll, I'll tell you how I got here. Did you die also? <sighs> Almost. Wow. Almost. This has been a heavy, heavy day of abductions. As we know, Bunker's buff. We established that a couple episodes oh, ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bunker's He's Tom buff. Cruise levels of buff. He's Tom Cruise levels of buff. Uh, as we learned, Tom Cruise is very hard to fight. Yeah. Hard to win in a fight <laughs> against Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is like the uh uh fuck, what's his name? Eddie from Tekken. <laughs> it's just real hard to fight. Or uh playing as uh who's like a broken character from Street Fighter. Ah well, this bit's done. <laughs> I, if I, I can't if I can't make the reference, the bit is done. Uh I Eddie Gordo? Yeah, Eddie Gordo. I guess I was not really a Tekken player, so that doesn't ring for me. Yeah. What's what's the deal? He's like Ryu from uh he does breakdance fighting. Oh, oh, I see. And you can just uh you can just uh spam his combo over and over again. Oh. So he's hard to beat. Yeah. Gotcha. Anyway. Um Andy <laughs> I was trying to, uh, I was trying to make a little extra money, you know. Andy, sometimes I you got. Hondo was hard to fight because he's got that long arm. Is that Street Fighter? Street Fighter, yeah. See, I'm not a Street Fighter guy. <laughs> wow, we are we are oil and water. We are at odds. We are apples and oranges here. Uh, I was trying to make a little extra money, a little extra quiche, Andy. Yeah. So I went on to Craigslist and uh, I was looking for a couple extra jobs. There's a job posting. For someone needed down at the docks. Dock hand. <laughs> Longshoreman? Longshoreman. As you know, Andy, 
Uh, I occasionally have looked like a longshoreman in the past. Sometimes yeah, I'll you wear get that little hat. I got my cute little peacoat, my little hat. I wear a little peacoat. I have a little uh, little sweater. I look like a cute little longshoreman. Yeah, you do. You look adorable. So I decided to dress up like a little longshoreman and go down to the docks. And I was greeted by large, uh, you know, burly guys in um, dusters and leather dusters, that is. And they just, they decided, like, they saw me, they got one look at me and they said, oh, geez, you're not big enough to do any dock work. Yeah. So they had me washing someone's sea dew in the middle of winter. Um, I guess, you know. So like a wave runner? Yeah, like a wave runner. Okay. So otherwise I was scrubbing the wave not runner. Not somebody's sea doo. No, not like sea doo doo. Okay. Scraping the barnacles off of a wave runner. Gotcha. Gotcha. No winner. You know how it is. Yeah. We've all been there. So then the burly guys were like, all right, take her inside after you clean her. Mm-hmm. Her being the sea doo. Right. So I decided <clears throat> to, I, you know, I, I got into a truck and I pulled the trailer down into the water right. and then I... Rode the sea up onto the trailer, and then I pulled mm-hmm. it into a warehouse. Okay. Dark warehouse. And all of a sudden, the doors behind me close. Mm-hmm. The lights are off. It's dark. It's a dim day. Any windows in this warehouse? Just just shitty tinted windows at the top. You know how warehouses are. Yeah. It looked like a scene out of a, out of a mobster movie or yeah. like a crime movie or something, Andy. Except with a wave runner. The wave runner gets up. It's bunker. The wave... Oh, Bunker was the wave runner. Oh, he got you to ride him and scrape his barnacles. <laughs> that's He's right. been asking you to do that. And that's not even the it. worst part, Andy. Suddenly, he ties a rope around me, a big, heavy dock rope. Oh, like. And ties a big old fisherman's knot that I can't get loose. Yeah. You know, like the, the Davy Jones knot or the Dutchman's knot. The poop loop, the monkey's paw, you know how they are. I know. I was in Cub Scouts. Bunker pulls out a gun. A gun. Good Presumably point. loaded. A, a pistol. Okay. A Beretta. C, C Nine do, millimeter. Sea-Doo Bunker. A Sea-Doo Bunker. Still in the Sea-Doo costume, dripping wet. With a gun. With a gun. I'm tied up. I'm freaking out. Puts the gun to my head. Oh, my God. He says, this is it. you have any last words? Holy shit. I'm freaking out. I'm at a loss for words. I don't even know what to say. I'm just mumbling. He says, I've had enough of both of you and Andy, and I'm, I already killed him. Now I'm going to take you out, too. And I said, oh, my God, it's finally happening. We've gotten too comfortable. Oh. Remember how in the beginning we oh. always said we were going to turn Bunker in because he's some crazy person, and we never did. Now he knows he can get away with anything. I close my eyes, Andy, he pulls the trigger, and out comes a flag from the gun, and the flag unfurls and says the words, peanut butter. Peanut butter? Bunker then says they were sold out of the classic bang, and all they had were these peanut butter ones left, and so I took them. I took what I could get. (laughs) Why did anyone need this? This was a already made product? Bunker said that apparently some executives at Reese's PCs were pulling a big prank and they needed guns that un- a tiny flag came out and said the words peanut <laughs> said butter. Peanut butter? Oh, God. Then he said, he looked me dead in the eyes and he said, don't ever think that I can't actually do this or I'm not capable of doing it. 
he's not capable of. Pointing, I don't know what that means, Andy. Pointing a flag at you that says peanut butter? Yeah. Needless to say, I pissed my pants. Wow. You were both wet. Yeah. And he just dragged me along in his sea do. He's into the psychological stuff with you. And he was fucked up, man. Yeah. Bunker's buff. Yeah, buff. He's able to do that because he's so buff. Tie yeah. those big ass knots. Get that big rope. Yeah, he's like Popeye. Wear a big, yeah. Huge forearms. Enormous forearms. He's the foreman of forearms. I mean, that was fucked up, Andy. Yeah, this is a messed up. You ever had a gun to your head like that? No. Peanut butter. I never had a gun. I never knew that a gun. I'm allergic to peanut butter. I never knew that a gun existed that had a flag that said peanut butter. So they were sold out of the classic bang. The classic bang. The classic bang. Where we all came from, the classic bang. Yeah, the classic bang. My favorite TV show. I don't like the big bang. It's too much bang. Classic like bang classic bang. Classic bang is the right amount of bang for me. Bazinga. Get the most... I get the correct amount of bang for my buck. Classic bang. <sighs> Andy, I don't know. I mean... I gotta tell you, we had some... We had some tragic and weird... Uh, <laughs> been a heavy... Heavy. heavy, heavy day. Mirrors our topic, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would say that this topic is pretty much uh, a heavy topic. Um, but forge ahead, we must. That's right. Uh, we owe it to Anastasia, our listener, our loyal listener. Uh, we owe it to all our listeners. That's right. And uh, so we will forge ahead the uh, the 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 white the the white army, right? Or the uh, the Bolsheviks are on our tail. Right there, mm, I'm I'm waiting to see yeah. where you go with this. The Bolsheviks are on our tail. Yeah. They're hunting us down, but we got to forge ahead, Andy. Yeah, and we got to give the whole enchilada. They don't want us to, but we're gonna give it. Yeah, we're gonna give the whole enchilada on the Romanovs right here, right, right now on, on Mr. Mr. Bunker's, Bunker's Conspiracy, Conspiracy Time Podcast. Time. start today by saying thank you. Oh, that's nice. Thank you to our Russian listeners. You're not our most populous group of listeners, but we're so glad you're here. Also, we hope to do right by you today as we dive into a Russian historical conspiracy. Today, we're talking about the possibility that Grand Duchess Anastasia Romanov, one of the daughters of Tsar Nicholas II and Tsarina Alexandra managed to escape the royal family's captivity and alleged execution, then reappeared in Germany as Anna Anderson. We'll get into all the details, but before we do, let's set the stage by doing something I love, which is putting this story into historical context. For once, listeners, this isn't a historical tangent. It's, I mean, it's actually very helpful, which is something uh, I never thought I'd say about anything you do, Andy. All right, if there's anything I'm committed to, it's self-improvement. Yeah, okay. Well, we have a lot to cover, so uh, I'll have to challenge that statement some other time. Okay. I'm time for it. Okay. Right now, let's talk about Russia. Mother Russia. We, uh, we're going to talk about the beginnings of Russia. Uh, it's worth mentioning that the earliest parts of the story we're about to tell are self-recorded history that not all modern historians accept as fact. There is at least some historical 
basis, though, right? Mm-hmm. With that said, the Russian origin story begins in 862 when the people of Nov... Nov... Novgorod? Novgorod. Novgorod. A bustling Viking trading city uh, asked a Viking chief named Rurik to rule Novo... Nov- God damn it. Novgorod. Novograd. Whatever. All right. And establish something they lacked, a good government. <laughs> wow, Art. Sounds like we should ask Rurik to come to the good old USA, huh? Huh? <laughs> okay, take it easy, Bilmar. Uh, no rule. Ask me before you come put any political jokes in the script, okay? Uh, okay, Stalin. Am I right, folks? Am I right? Uh, okay. Not a very funny joke, but maybe I can salvage it into an okay segue. Speaking of Stalin, let's get back to Russian history. Yeah, that was a pretty okay segue. Thank you. I thought of it myself. Anyway, Rurik came from Novgorod to Scandinavia and did indeed set up a well-functioning government. Rurik died eventually, and his relative Oleg took over. Oleg expanded his territory uh, even as far as the eventual capital, Kiev, and created a new state, appropriately called Kiev, Kievan Rus. In about 980, Grand Prince Vladimir of Kiev consolidated his rule in the wake of his father's death. Notably, Vladimir was a pagan. When Byzantine Emperor Basil II asked for Vladimir's military help, Vladimir agreed for the low, low price of marrying Basil's sister, Anne. Basil agreed on the condition that Vlad convert to Christianity, which he did, also forcing the people of Novgorod and Kiev to convert. Importantly, Vlad converted to the Orthodox Christianity that was practiced in Byzantium, rather than, say, Roman Catholicism. Orthodox Christianity became, and remains, an important force in Russian culture and politics. For one of my classic historical diversions, I will also mention that after Ant died, <clears throat> Vladimir married a granddaughter of Holy Roman Emperor Otto I, who was also the grandfather of alleged phantom time hypothesis co-conspirator Emperor Otto III. Wow. Even in an episode about history, you managed to stray from the topic for a relevant history. Truly, I am an artist. Thank you. Well, getting back to the topic at hand here, listeners... A couple hundred years after Vladimir's death, Kievan Rus, um, Kievan Rus, Kievan, Kievan Rus, like was Kiev. invaded and conquered by Geng- Genghis Khan's Mongols. Wow, the area became a part of the Mongol Golden Horde. The Golden Horde ruled for a couple hundred years. Then, in uh, 1480, Ivan the Third, Grand Prince of Moscow, known as Ivan the Great, declared he and his people free. From Mongol rule. All right, so Ivan the Great had a son, Vasily III, who further consolidated territory ruled by Moscow. Vasily had a son, Ivan IV, called Ivan the Terrible, who officially established the Russian state and made himself its first Tsar in 1547. Unfortunately, Ivan the Terrible also initiated a campaign of oppression and terror against Russian nobles. He also murdered his son and, importantly, only feasible heir, Ivan, in a fit of rage. That left his mentally challenged son, Fyodor, to rule. (laughs) The problem was that uh, Fyodor really couldn't rule, well, uh, at least not by himself. So Boris Godunov, uh, Fyodor's brother-in-law, was the de facto ruler. 
When Fyodor died without an heir, the Russian Zemsky Sobor, essentially a uh, Russian parliament, if you will, elected Godunov uh, to lead the country. Once fully in charge of Russia, Godunov uh, exacted revenge on the nobility who challenged his authority during Fyodor's reign, namely the powerful Romanov family from Moscow. Godunov had many Romanovs apprehended and sent to distant parts of Russia, an ordeal that led to the death of many Romanovs. Eventually, though, the Romanov family would recover. In 1613, Michael Romanov was elected Tsar by the Zemsky Sabor, officially kicking off Romanov rule of Russia. The Romanovs expanded Russian territory with Tsar Peter the Great officially ushering in a Russian empire in 1721. Tsar Alexander II finally ended serfdom in Russia in 1861. The Romanovs celebrated 300 years in power in 1913. Sounds great, right? Oh, Andy. You simple bitch. <laughs> you could not be misleading our listeners more with that question. Everything was not great for the Romanovs. While Alexander II introduced a number of important reforms, aside from the monumental achievement of ending serfdom in Russia, all the changes antagonized the powerful noble families and ultimately failed to make Russia more economically equal. Alexander was even eventually assassinated by revolutionary terrorists. Following a relatively uneventful reign by Alexander's son, Alexander III, Alexander II's grandson, Nicholas II, became the czar, the, the, the protagonist of our story, if you will. <laughs> Nicholas honestly didn't have the personality to be emperor. Nicholas felt like his government ministers were smarter than him, so he ended up distributing them and surrounding himself with, or, I'm sorry, he ended up distrusting them and probably distributing them to the wayside mm. and yes. surrounding himself with people who he liked better, but who didn't always give him the best advice. This in turn led his government to distrust him. You know, the czar and I actually have a lot in common, uh, yeah. much like me. He was okay in social settings one-on-one, -on -one, but uh, wasn't really comfortable in big groups at large events. So also like me, this led Nicholas to be pretty absent from social life and just kind of hang out at home with his girlfriend and cat. That's canon. Wait, no. I mean, uh, his family and his inner circle. Right, right. Not girlfriend and cat. Right. Anyway. Art, uh, truly, you are like a powerless Nicholas II. <laughs> Unlike you, though, Nicholas's story continues and is interesting. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> on the family front, Nicholas fell in love and married a German princess and granddaughter of Queen Victoria of England, Alexandra. Nicholas and Alexandra had four girls, Olga, Tatiana, Maria, and Anastasia, and one boy, Alexei. It should be noted that Alexandra carried the hemophilia gene and Alexei was afflicted, afflicted with the condition. Nicholas and Alexandra were truly in, a, truly in love with one another, but possibly they were not all that great a match. Uh, Alexandra seemed to encourage the lesser parts of Nicholas's personality, propping up his paranoia with her own and having the strength of will to help Nicholas do things he might not have carried out on his own. Together, they both believed strongly that... Uh, the emperor's authority was given by God and their holy responsibility was to maintain the autocratic authority of the emperor. As you could expect, Nicholas used police repression to address demonstrations and unrest among the Russian citizenry. As you probably also expect, this did not lead to greater satisfaction with the government. Basically, Nicholas and Alexandra alienated themselves from government officials and the public at large. The entire royal family 
though, you know, took comfort in the Orthodox Church, and all the members were seemingly very devoted to their religion. These factors together led Nicholas and Alexandra to seek advisors from outside traditional circles for Russia's royal family. Notably, Nicholas and Alexandra engaged Grigory Rasputin, a Siberian Orthodox holy man. Now, Rasputin, rah-rah Rasputin, uh, had never actually taken holy orders. So he was just kind of like a weird religious fanatic guy who got referred to uh, to the royal family by actual clergymen. Nicholas and Alexandria were especially protective of their youngest child and only heir, Alexei. Alexandra asked Rasputin to help Alexei's hemophilia, and actually, Rasputin's intervention in Alexei's care did achieve results. Uh, though modern me- though modern scientists science success- suspects that Alexei improved because Rasputin advised Alexandra to have the doctors leave Alexei alone. At the time, the doctors were likely giving Alexei aspirin uh, to treat his symptoms, which was actually exasperating the hemophilia. Mm-hmm. This is the only case of anti-vax actually helping out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rasputin, the original anti-vaxxer. The original anti-vaxxer. Regardless of how much healing success you want to attribute to Rasputin, he certainly earned the confidence of the royal family. Now, the only problem for Nicholas and his clan was that Rasputin had a pretty shitty reputation, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Uh, He was a renowned drunk and Lothario, which scandalized the royal court. There were even unsubstantiated rumors that Rasputin was sleeping with Alexandra herself. All of these scandals culminated in Rasputin's murder, arranged and possibly carried out by Felix Yusupov, who was married to Nicholas's niece. Rasputin's death did little to change Nicholas and Alexandra's personalities or choice of associates, and... While Rasputin's murder was applauded by Russian elites, Russian commoners, such as the Bolsheviks, felt like Rasputin encapsulated the issues with Russia's system of government. A peasant ascends to a place of power within the royal court and is promptly murdered by wealthy elites trying to sustain the status quo. Listeners, you're likely already getting the picture that this was a uh, somewhat chaotic time in Russia, and you'd be right. What? We haven't even mentioned the wars yet. (laughs) A lot of drama. (laughs) The wars. Russian war fatigue was becoming a serious issue. Nicholas's great-grandfather, Nicholas I, got Russia into the Crimean War, which was finished off by his son, Alexander II. You remember him. The humiliation suffered by Russia in the Crimean War led to many of the reforms instituted by Alexander II. The war left a bad taste in the mouth of the Russian public though, and uh, was a key catalyst for the unrest that ultimately led to Alexander's assassination. So it's not surprising that the Russian public wasn't thrilled when Nicholas II got Russia involved with a war with Japan over influence in Korea. Then came World War I, the big one. Mm -hmm. Russia was compelled by its uh, alliances to join the war, and public opinion tanked. Nicholas took control of the army and headed to the front line's headquarters, leaving Alexandra in charge, which was a disaster. Civil unrest reached a fever pitch, and rioting in St. Petersburg put political pressure on Nicholas to abdicate, which he did in 1917. The Romanov dynasty had officially come to an end in Russia. As for the Tsar and his family, they assumed they would go to England, where both Nicholas and Alexander's first cousin, King George V, was ready to receive them. 
King George, King George though, pulled the old Uno reverse card on the oh. Romanovs, cold-blooded, when he realized how unpopular they were and decided against harboring them in England. This left the Romanovs in the hands of the Bolsheviks, a.k.a. the Reds, those plucky revolutionaries who would go on to become the Soviet Union's famous communists. The royal family was shuffled a bit, but eventually ended up in the mansion of a merchant in the city of Ekaterinburg in the Ural Mountains. The mansion is sometimes called the Ipatiev House, named after the merchant, but the Bolsheviks called it the House of Special Purpose, which we will also because it's just a way cooler sounding name. It's super fucking cool. Yeah. The Romanovs had little in the way of uh, luxurious trappings, luxurious trappings while at the House of Special Purpose, but the close-knit family did get to spend plenty of time together, and the religious bunch was able to engage in spiritual pursuits. While the Bolsheviks had managed to gain uh, political control in Russia, they still faced opposition, largely from anti-Bolsheviks, a.k.a. the Whites. Get it? As opposed to the Reds? I get it. Uh, there we Reds go. and the Whites. Some of the Sounds white- like a battle in your washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my blood. <laughs> okay. Some of the white Russian forces were in favor of returning Nicholas to the throne, but, you know, that was just like their opinion man regardless the reds were afraid the whites would at least help the romanovs escape russia in july 1918 the whites were approaching yekaterinburg and uh, lenin had given the order to the earl regional soviet that when the timing was right the royal family could be quote liquidated the time came on july 17th 1918 when the Soviet commander at the House of Special Purpose, Yakov Yurovsky, roused the family from their sleep, Yurovsky told the Romanovs that the White Army was approaching and they were being moved to the basement to avoid crossfire. Once in the basement, armed Bolsheviks filed into the room and Yurovsky read the death sentence to the Romanovs. The Bolsheviks opened fire, killing Nicholas and Alexandra straight away. Things were more complicated for the Romanov children, though, you see, some of the guards at the House of Special Purpose developed attachments to the Romanov girls and so avoided shooting them directly. Instead, the children were hit with ricocheting bullets, which really didn't always do a lot of damage because the children were wearing essentially bulletproof clothing. You see, the Romanovs had brought with them their jewelry collection and, while at the House of Special Purpose, had sewn the jewelry into the children's undergarments in the case that they escaped and had to start a new life in Europe. The bullets were deflected by these bejeweled undies. <laughs> After the initial firing, the guards had to finish the job at close range, advancing on the children and using bayonets or close-range headshots to end the Romanov children's lives. The sloppiness of the execution extended to the disposal of the bodies as well. Yurovsky planned to dump the Romanov's bodies in a mine shaft outside of Yekaterinburg. Once they went to dump the bodies, though, the Bolsheviks found out the mine shaft was too shallow, even though it was selected specifically for this purpose. Yurovsky formulated a new plan on the fly, though. He'd run into Yekaterinburg, snag, snag some uh, sulfuric acid and gasoline, drive back into the woods, cover the bodies in acid, then burn them up with gasoline. Oh, boy. <laughs> Classic plan. Classic plan. Yurovsky spent three days and three nights driving back and forth from Yekaterinburg to the woods, bringing sulfuric acid and gasoline and desperately trying to destroy the Romanov bodies. Yurovsky then buried the bodies in two separate shallow graves, hoping to confuse anyone who might come looking for them. 
I guess this part of the plan worked reasonably well because the graves weren't discovered until 1979, though this wasn't known publicly until after the fall of the Soviet Union, when the gravesite could finally be excavated. The second gravesite wasn't found until 2007. Even though the bodies found in the gravesites account for all the Romanovs and their servants at the House of Special Purpose, doubt about the fate of the family still exists. The bungling of the execution and the Bolshevik response has led some to believe that members of the royal family escaped the cellar in Ekaterinburg. The Romanov children have allegedly popped up in different places at different times, though the member of the family who captures the most attention is undoubtedly Anastasia. Anastasia was the fourth daughter of Nicholas and Alexandra, and her birth was met with much disappointment. <laughs> I like identify mine. with that. Yeah, yeah. Right, you get it. <laughs> the Tsar and Sarista really wanted a boy because when Anastasia was born, they only had girls. Without a boy, Nicholas would not have a hair. An, an heir? <laughs> a hair? A hair. An heir. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> he would not have a herb. Yeah. You <laughs> don't have any herbs. Rather than picking a traditional Russian name, Anastasia was given a Greek name, meaning resurrection. A fitting name for a princess who was allegedly killed in the basement of the House of Special Purpose, and then perhaps resurfaced later. But how? <laughs> it was reported that Anastasia was still alive after the shooting and stabbing happened in the cellar of the House of Special Purpose. The official line is that she was um, then fully murdered on the truck where the Bolsheviks loaded the bodies for transport to the woods. Some people, though, think that Anastasia either escaped or fell off the truck or something and made it out of Yekaterinburg and out of Russia altogether. The story has been popularized in popular culture, including in the 1997 animated film Anastasia, which will undoubtedly be familiar to some of our listeners. Now, in this film, Rasputin pops up at the Romanov Tricentennial Ball after having been exiled for treason. Rasputin has sold his soul to gain powers of sorcery, which he uses to spark the Russian Revolution. Protesters storm the palace, and only Anastasia and her grandmother, Marie, escape. After a confrontation with Rasputin, where Rasputin falls into a frozen river and dies, Marie and Anastasia head for a train that is literally leaving the station. Marie jumps aboard, but the train speeds away from Anastasia, who hits her head and gets amnesia. Years later, Marie offered a big reward for Anastasia's return. Anastasia is forced out of the orphanage she's been living in because she's now 18. She crosses paths with a boy who helped her escape the palace, who is currently searching for an Anastasia lookalike to take to Marie in Paris to claim the reward. The boy, Dimitri, is impressed by how much this orphan looks like Anastasia, so he, Anastasia, and a companion head to Paris. Long story, kind of shorter. They eventually get Anastasia... Uh, they get Anastasia with Marie, and everyone realizes that she is actually the real Anastasia. In a tale as old as time, they defeated demonic Rasputin and Anastasia and Dimitri Elope. Classic tale. That's spoilers, by the way. Yeah, major spoilers for this film from 1997. <laughs> Should have mentioned that, I guess, before we gave you all the spoilers. <laughs> now, obviously, there are some historical inaccuracies here, but uh, you get the idea. That's been a popular one. Anastasia escapes gets amnesia, then reappears alive and well. Listeners, this fictional story actually has a basis in actual historical events. While there were a number of people who claimed to be missing Romanovs escaped from the House of Special Purpose, one claimant uh, stands above the rest, and we'd like to tell you that story now. So come along as I spin you the yarn of the reappearing Romanov. 
1920 Berlin, a young woman attempts suicide and ends up in a canal. She's she's pulled from the canal and uh, when she comes to, won't give anybody her name or any information about herself. She gets moved to a mental hospital where another patient tells her she looks like the Grand Duchess Tatiana, one of Anastasia's sisters. The woman never claimed to be a Romanov, but she also never denied the claims. The possibility got uh, the interest of people connected to the Romanov family, including one of the family's ladies-in-waiting. Oh, I'm going to need help with this one, Andy. Sophie Buxhoven. Sophie Buxhoven. <laughs> who said that the woman was too short to be Tatiana, to which the woman said, I never said I was Tatiana. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> the speculation then became that the woman was actually Anastasia. The woman, who eventually took the name Anna Anderson, told the tale of a harrowing escape from the House of Special Purpose, and her story became the subject matter of pop popular culture surrounding Anastasia, including the animated film. For the rest of her life, Anna Anderson lived as Anastasia Romanov. Throughout, though, many people questioned the validity of uh, Anderson's claims. Relatives of the Romanovs attempted to discredit Anderson, including paying for a Berlin newspaper to do an investigation into Anderson that claimed she was actually a Polish factory worker named uh, Franziska Szanoszkowska. Yeah, you take a crack at it. Uh, okay. You like Polish. Yeah, I love Polish. Franziska Szanskowska. Perfect. According to the report, Szanskowska, <laughs> art, truly an international man of mystery. Ah, this is not my language. Was deemed insane after suffering, and I'm going to go insane after reading all these Russian names. <laughs> deemed insane after suffering injuries in a factory explosion. Explosion. Szanskowska. Uh, disappeared shortly after before the mystery woman was found in the Berlin Canal. Though the Shanishkovka family agreed that Anderson looked like their relative, the courts determined that it was not proved that Anna Anderson was not Anastasia. The court also concluded that Anderson also did not prove that she was Anastasia. <laughs> yes. A very Andy Hart ruling. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, it was a real sister kisser. It was a real sister kisser of a verdict, Art. That's for sure. Uh, the real question here is: Why would anyone believe that a mysterious woman attempting suicide in a Berlin Canal would actually be Grand Duchess Anastasia? Well, it's not so strange when you think about it. Did you think about it before you made that wild accusation, listeners? First. Let's just say that Russia has a history of nobles dying and reappearing. During the time of troubles, you remember this from uh, earlier in the in the research, four different people appeared at the Russian court claiming to be Dmitri, Ivan the Terrible's youngest son, who died when he was eight years old in 1591. The first false Dmitri was the most successful, as he became the Tsar and ruled briefly. <laughs> uh, also... Berlin uh, became a home to Russian nobles fleeing the Bolshevik Re Revolution. So it's not totally unbelievable given the historical context. So far, this has been pretty unsatisfying ending. Uh, Anna Anderson died in 1984 without ever settling if she was actually Anastasia or not. Good news, though, listeners. Uh, like all the towels in my house, there's some DNA we need to discuss. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask what I do with those towels. They're my towels. As, okay. <laughs> you're a towel. As we already mentioned, the shallow grave in the woods outside of Yekaterinburg was excavated in the 1990s. DNA testing was done on the remains and seemed to identify most of the Romanov family. 
with additional testing identifying the other Romanovs once the other gravesite was located in 2007. How was this done, you ask? By mitochondrial DNA testing, of course, Andy. Uh, uh, Mitochondrial DNA is passed down hereditarily from mother to child. That is, from your mom. From your mom. Got you. Got you, dude. Roasting my ass. Already struggling to read these names. You're freaking becoming a meme today, dude. Frick you. (laughs) Therefore, it was possible to test the mitochondrial DNA in the remains in the gravesite against current living Romanov Romanov relations through the female line, such as Prince Philip, the consort of Queen Elizabeth II of England. Prince Philip provided a DNA sample, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) He jerked off. (laughs) It could have been his hair or something else. We don't know. Yeah, it's probably his hair. Or blood. Yeah. Anyway, he jerked off to help the testing in the 90s. The testing showed that the remains in the shallow grave were, in fact, those of the Romanov family. Subsequent testing has also helped to identify the individuals to a mathematically significant degree. As for the DNA of Anna Anderson, mitochondrial testing showed that she was not a Romanov relative. Man, I feel like Maury Povich right now. (laughs) Additional testing, though, did link her to a certain Polish factory worker named Franciszka Szanskowska. Hmm. Where have I heard that name before? That's right. <laughs> After all these years, Anna Anderson was probably just who we thought she was. Franciszka Shanskovska. It's worth mentioning that our very own Anastasia, who suggested this episode, mentioned that a professor suggested to her that the Anderson DNA was faked or the re- results were modified to keep the link to the Romanov family a secret. We didn't really find any evidence of this in the research, but you better believe it's going to come up in the discussion. Oh, it's coming Get up. Get ready. Buckle up. A key factor in this mystery is also the role played by the Russian Orthodox Church. The Orthodox Church abroad uh, declared the murdered Romanov saints and martyrs in the 1980s, with the Russian Church doing essentially the same in 2000. This declaration made the Romanovs uh, remains holy relics and therefore unable to be buried in a traditional way. While the remains from the first gravesite were given a uh, reburial in the Peter and Paul Cathedral in St. Petersburg, the traditional resting spot of the Romanovs. Um, the remains found in 2007 were not recognized by the church because of the way they were buried. The church also demanded new testing be done on the remains found in 2007 using scientists selected by the church. Add to all this the fact that the church has recently floated that the family was actually murdered as part of some sort of Jewish ritual. Uh, Yakov Yurovsky was of Jewish Jewish descent, by the way, uh, it becomes clear that the church is muddying the waters more than they're trying to clear things up. The priest promoting this conspiracy is allegedly Vladimir Putin's personal confessor. I'm not saying, I'm just saying, okay? (laughs) We're just saying. Civil unrest against the backdrop of hundreds of years of serfdom, inequality, and poor living conditions culminates in an overthrow of the government. The noble rulers are detained and executed to leave no trace and no controversy. The bodies hidden for decades. Did the mists of time obscure the truth, though? Did the Romanovs actually live on? When will I finally achieve my dream of becoming Beth's friends with an albino bat? The question lingers on. Thank you.
Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Hey, I'm Matt, and I believe in conspiracies. My friends, however, not so much. Oh, you don't need it. Why would you need Stanley Kubrick? So why was that not picked up as something that was heard or seen? You know, like you got to take Bill with a grain of salt. Just like everything we talk about on this show. Yeah, 100%. Like if it was for greed, you figure they would have came out and been like, I did it. I want the brownie bowl. And we made a podcast where I tried desperately to convince them that I'm right. I'll show it to you. You make a, you make a call on what you see. It hasn't really worked yet. What's the data that they're using to calculate this? But one day, I'll get them on my side. <laughs> oh, well, whatever. Nobody listens to this for accuracy. If that sounds like something you'd enjoy, please download The C Word anywhere podcasts are found. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at C Pod. Welcome back, listeners. That was our research into uh, Anastasia Romanov, inspired by Anastasia, the listener. <laughs> um, that that was our research into it, you know. Um, Andy, it's unbelievable how fascinated people are with this story. This story has transcended... I mean, you would think it would be popular just in Russia. It's popular all over the world. Um, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that. Uh, there are books, musicals, movies, countless people claiming to be Anastasia. Mm-hmm. This isn't just like some little thing. People love this story. They love taking this story and giving it the happiest ending in the world. Not the true ending, which is the most tragic, depressing thing I've almost ever read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, and, you know, we obviously talk about Anna Anderson in uh, in the, uh, the research a lot. But as we mentioned, she was far from the only person who claimed to be either Anastasia or Tatiana or Maria or Olga or Alexi even. The Romanov children, people claimed to be them for a long time. Um, Listeners, uh, Bunker had some dried mango and Andy and I were eating some of it. So if we're <laughs> slow to talk, it's because we're picking fruit out of our teeth. <laughs> Bunker gave us a little treat. Because um, we've been good boys. Um, but so, like, think about, think about like, who, who is that? Louis the Sixth, Louis the his fucking name Marie Antoinette and uh Louis the 16th yeah tried before the court guillotined I mean think about all the other French French nobles and French people that died in the revolution you don't hear about any of them the Romanovs though fucking the dude who made Mad Men made a show it's not very good apparently <laughs> or people think it's okay yeah i know you haven't seen it so i'm not even gonna yeah i didn't watch you. it as research for this uh i read i read something that referenced it though yeah and, um, you know, there's there's this exchange between there's apparently some point where Yurovsky, the character Yurovsky in the show. What's it called? The last Tsar or something? No, it's just the Romanovs. The Romanovs? The Roman offs. The Roman offs. No, maybe I'm I guess it's the, the Romanovs. Roman. I don't know. Yeah, well, anyway, 
I haven't watched it, so I don't know. But, um, yeah, people are people are fascinated with this, I, and you know, I think that I think that part of it is that uh, there's this uh, a sort of a confluence of factors that, to me, that lead to this this fascination with the Romanovs. Um, you know, obviously, Russia was a a, a large empire at the time commanding a huge swath of territory across the globe still are yeah but still even big. bigger um you know the romanovs were a a long ruling dynasty oh yeah i mean 300 years in power um and they had a good i know what you're going to say they had a good run fuck them they deserved to die the way they did I would have done even more terrible things to them than the Bolsheviks did. Fuck them. It's time for Andy Hart's reign in Russia. Andy Hart 2020. <laughs> Andy Hart 2020. I would have killed them worse. Well, should we just get to our verdicts then? You pretty much said everything <laughs> I could have thought to say about this I actually topic. forgot I had a rant planned <laughs> for the beginning of the discussion. Wait, you want to go into it? Rant away. This is an example of a history that fucking is cool. <laughs> now that boring shit you were trying to pull on us earlier, Andy. This shit is cool. Like what stuff was boring? There is stakes. There's tragedy. There's real people. <laughs> There's war. Intrigue. Death. This is interesting history to me. It's very interesting. Yeah, you don't talk about it a lot. You don't really... I mean, I don't know if it's ever, you probably only hear about it in specialized college courses, maybe high school. You take like AP history or some shit. Yeah, I, I, um, I mean, honestly, doing research here, I learned a lot. You know, there was a lot that I didn't know about the execution of the Romanovs. This, uh, oh, I'm sure you were so into it, you sick fuck. Oh, I had my nipple clamps on and everything. <laughs> I was ready to go. You sewed jewels into your underwear as well. You don't yeah, believe yeah, that. yeah. Uh, but not, uh, not, uh, not jewelry. It's, uh, it's chicken wings from Jewel Osco, a grocery store, right <laughs> here in the Chicago area. I sew chicken wings into my underwear, so when I get hungry, I can have a little cheeky wing on the train. <laughs> what else I did you so learn hungry. about? What else did you learn about their deaths that surprised you, Andy? Um. I think um I think just the the sheer gruesome nature of it oh god was pretty shocking. I mean they had to find people like they had to find Bolshevik officers that like despised the Romanovs on another level. Um yeah, Yurovsky was definitely no fan of the royal family. Um and So I, this, why did he have to take them in? He didn't take them in. He got assigned. Oh, he got assigned to that. They the the Bolsheviks had control of this of this mansion, right. the House of Special Purpose, and they assigned him as the commandant. His uh his previous his his uh, predecessor was uh, less strict than he. So, I mean, he was more maybe a little more harsh, but uh, he actually had the House of Special Purpose functioning well. People were nicking food from the royal family. 
uh, like rations that the Bolsheviks had set aside oh, wow. for the royal family to eat. So some of the guards would like steal the food and stuff. And Yurovsky put a stop to that because uh, he was a man of principle. And, uh, you know, I think uh, that's something that I'm going to mention. Since we're on the topic, let's just jump right into it. Oh, let's deep dive. Um, the idea that Anastasia escaped the House of Special Purpose. Uh, there's a lot of different theories that have been, you know, thrown about, you know, like she fell off the truck or maybe the guards spirited her away uh, because the guards kind of had maybe thing a thing for the Romanov girls. They were older at the time, too. We're calling them girls, but they were all almost at an adult age, right? Right. I think Anastasia was maybe like 17, 18-ish. Um, yeah, I can't remember exactly, but, you know... Which, even to, by today's standards, is still like a kid, but you have to think this is like the early 1900s, so pretty much everyone was considered an adult at like 13. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, her sisters were older. Not so. that I'm trying to, like, fucking make this thing, you know, like, you know, I'm trying to excuse what they did to these people, but I'm just saying, like, you know, yeah, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Good. That people probably looked at them as adults. Right. Yeah, they were probably seen more like adults than children right. at this point. Um, But so people sometimes say that maybe the guards smuggled Anastasia out and that's how she would have survived. But I don't know. Yurovsky strikes me as kind of a straight laced type of guy. Yeah. Like concerned with filling out his orders. So it doesn't make sense to me that uh, he would have let one get away. You know what I mean? Like all the then have his own head like on the fucking mm -hmm. stand for these Romanovs that he already doesn't like. Yeah, I don't buy that. All these bodies were undoubtedly accounted for by Yurovsky. I mean, he was there in the woods when they're trying to bury them and then later dissolve them in acid and burn them with gasoline. Okay. Russian listeners, this isn't your fault, but like what the fuck is with the Bolsheviks and like bungling stuff? <laughs> this has a very this is a second time feel to it, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. They went on a panty raid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it has a very, I mean, obviously the burning of the bodies was a Nazi thing. Yeah, in uh, the Fuhrer bunker case, but I mean, this has this is very similar. Where it's like, ah, well, we got them. these bodies. What are we gonna do with them now? I don't know. Burn them? Oh shit! They don't burn as good as I thought they would do. Oh jeez, put them in that mine shaft. Oh okay. Ah, oh, boss, the mine shaft's not deep enough. Ah, god damn it. The the thing that's funny to me about it is that it was really bungled because, first of all, the assassination, like the actual execution. They brought all the people in. They had all these pistols. They're like at close range. They're firing, but a lot of the guards didn't want to fire at the children because they didn't feel like the children were responsible. Yeah. But they hated Nicholas and Alexandra. So they all fire at them and kill them instantly, basically. Like Alexandra's the only one who probably didn't suffer that much because she took a bullet in the head. Yeah. Um, but meanwhile, some of them are just not shooting at anything. So the bullets are like ricocheting around in the room. The room is like filling with smoke and they do you it know, in a room. They the tell cellar. them they tell them beforehand, like you're we're coming to kill you, essentially. Right. Like well, they get them down in the cellar. And then then Yurovsky reads the death sentence that by order of the regional Soviet, they are being executed or whatever. Yeah. Jesus. <sighs> and then they just start firing. 
Nicholas, Nicholas expected that because the whites were encroaching on Ekaterinburg, that what would happen is that the white army would come and they liberate would, them. Yeah, that they would just leave with the white army. So he assumed that the Bolsheviks called them down, down there, and the, just so that they could wait for the white army to come to the house. Uh, and then boy was them. he wrong. And so he's <laughs> another like another strike for Nicholas. They hear the truck pull up. This is the truck that takes the bodies to the woods. They hear the truck pull up and Nicholas thinks that they're going to leave. And then um, Yurovsky reads them the death sentence and Nicholas says, wait, what? And then they just, you know, depending on the accounts, it's like Yurovsky shoots him in the chest just right after that like with his pistol or they just open fire on the family. Jesus fucking Christ. And then, um, you know, obviously the kids are all getting hit by ricocheting bullets, but nothing's being really direct at them. So they're all suffering a lot. And, uh, the room is like filling with blood, blood splattering all over the, the cellar, uh, you know, again, filled with smoke from the gunfire. And then, you know, the kids had these, jewels sewn into their undergarments so the bullets aren't actually really getting to the meat of their bodies um so then the the meat of their bodies listeners you just hear what andy just said <laughs> like you know where the vital organs are and so the bolsheviks come at them with bayonets and stuff uh and you know or shoot them in the head and <clears throat> allegedly i mean depending on what you read two of the girls actually survived the cellar and made it upstairs to the truck and, and they're they had, sitting on a truck with their family's dead bodies covering them. Right. It's like a scene on a fu- like a, out of a fucking cannibal corpse album cover. Right. Or some shit. Like yeah. it's disgusting. And they like, they hear the girls cough, you know, cough up blood or whatever. They're still alive. And so they just either finish them off with bayonets and the truck or they shoot them in the head. You know, what's funny is like horror movies and fucking metal album covers. And it's just never, it just never reaches the level of what actual humans will do to each other. Right. Like, it's like, you know, like like a Slayer or like Cannibal or like any, you know, any black metal, thrash mm-hmm. metal band will put some cover on the album. That'll be the most grotesque thing you've ever seen, but it's nothing compared to what actual people will really actual do to each true other. True events that happen in, like, the, in the world. It is so much more disgusting to read this story than it is to listen about uh pig destroyer and their fucking song corpse eater or whatever the fuck they have right just absolutely disgusting yeah and the thing about it is that you know a lot of these bolsheviks they hated uh nicholas and alexander for for what they were but on a personal level nicholas is kind of a charming person yeah so he sort of wins these people over so not only I mean, I think one of the guards transferred out of the house of special purpose because he, I'm starting to like this guy too much. Right. right. He didn't think he could be able to go through with it. And so it's like, I mean, just the, uh, I don't know, the callousness of the whole thing and they, and they kill them. You know, really the reason that they kill them is because obviously Lenin is concerned that if the white army captures, uh, the Tsar. He could flee abroad and then possibly come back. You know, if the if the Bolshevik government is weakened, uh, he could have a chance to reinsert himself into Russian politics. Um, obviously, there's also this fear that uh, they could just return to the throne 
with the support of the whites. Um, so Lenin decided that all of the Romanovs, including the children, had to be murdered. And part of the reason that this is uh, confusing from a modern perspective is because of all the smoke screens that Lenin put up after the fact. Because the Bolsheviks, right. the Bolsheviks had to play it close to the vest with this because the Romanovs were European royalty, which means they're related to a bunch of other European royalty. Like, uh, didn't one of them was cousins of some high-ranking German official or right. something, and German official's like, hey, what happened to my fucking... He's like, ah... Hard to say. It's hard to say. Uh, I mean, they were... I think they were pretty upfront about, like, the execution of uh, Nicholas and Alexandra, but the children was the problem. They thought that there could be retaliation. Right. You know, George V of England is a first cousin. They've got connections in Germany. I mean, Alexandra was a German princess before she uh, married Nicholas. So oh. she... Oh, my God, be careful. So there were all these connections to European royalty, and, you know... Lenin had just gotten Russia out of World War One. He didn't want to have <laughs> to start another war yeah. because he murdered the Romanov children. A war which started over the assassination of some random fucking noble right, in right. Serbia or wherever he was from. Right, the Archduke Ferdinand. Um, yeah. So. But luckily he later inspired the great indie rock, alt-rock band, Franz Ferdinand. Yeah. Take me out. Okay, Andy. Uh, Art. Uh, I wonder where do I want to go first? First of all, I want to roast your ass and say that they played it in a very Andy Hart way where they never gave a straight answer. <laughs> Lennon never gave a straight answer as to what happened. Oh, yeah. To avoid, to avoid conflict, which is something you would do. Yeah, I am conflict averse. <laughs> I want to say this. I run away from it. The legend of Anastasia has existed because people are romantics at heart. Yeah. They want a happy ending to this tragic, tragic story. Do you agree or disagree? And don't give me some half-assed bullshit. Oh, I'm a soulless husk and nothing in life matters. In the end, there is only death. Answer, Andy. Really speak on it. Really speak on it, Andy. Uh, I will say I agree with you 100%. I'll also say this, though. Shocking. Nicholas was a fatalist. What does that mean? So he just assumed that things were going to go bad. Like, it's everybody dies that attitude uh, like a nihilist of fatalism and so he bore all of these uh troubles that they had with uh with dignity pretty much because he never uh he never uh you know he just uh, he just knew that things would go poorly boy you have to die sometime never trust a freaky holy man i'll tell you that much <laughs> Rasputin. Yeah. Um, an interesting character. For sure. He just is sort of like this uh, Siberian peasant and... Weird looking dude. Oh, he's weird looking. Very weird looking. Creepy looking, really. Yeah. Long beard, beady eyes. It's. I mean, it, there's, there's no doubt in my mind why Rasputin captures people's imagination because he is just... He is such a... He has such an iconic look. Yeah. And... I mean, the fact that he was some sort of holy man, it lends itself to like the Anastasia cartoon to him being some sort of evil sorcerer yeah. just from the way that he looks. And I have to say the animation in the movie, I mean, they really sort of capture his 
appearance. Yeah, they do. In my opinion. They do. Now, obviously, he was not, he was, you know, supposedly affiliated with the Orthodox Church, even though it was not official. But he got introduced through the clergy to the Romanovs. And then, um, yeah, his ultimate demise is, um, you know, one of uh, the the husband of Nicholas's niece arranged for the story that 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 Yusupov uh, tells uh, is that he had Rasputin come to his house. He served him a platter of cakes that were laced with poison. Rasputin ate the whole platter and it didn't affect him at all. And I don't know, it, it turns into this long drawn out battle that culminates with uh, like Rasputin fleeing and dying in the river or something. But I mean, really it, what happened is they, they like shot him and then threw his body in the river. Yeah. Like they beat him up, shot him and then threw his body in the river. Um, Cause his daughter, <laughs> Rasputin's daughter, by the way, who left the family farm to become a lion tamer with the circus, which is also freaking incredible. <laughs> this just, is just Rasputin's like, daughter. Yeah, there's the cherry on top of his weird Sunday. And she wrote a book uh, about her, like a memoir, and she pretty much disputes Yusupov's story that her father didn't like sweets, so he would never have eaten a whole platter of cakes <laughs> by himself. But Yusupov was sort of a useless person. Um, I think I read a story that uh, Tatiana uh, complained to her father that Yusupov was doing ab- did absolutely nothing during World War One, while she, for example, you know, Nicholas is is essentially commanding troops from the headquarters, like the front, uh, the front line, front line headquarters. Yeah, I mean, like he's not. I'm not trying to say that he was in. He wasn't good. Hole. He was in a foxhole or anything, but he's he's at the front headquarters. And Tatiana's like a nurse, like working at a military hospital in Russia during the the war and stuff. And Felix Yusupov is doing nothing <laughs> to help the war effort. He's just he's just being a, a noble. He's uh, being us. Yeah. And so, you know, they had some. He was seen as sort of a useless person, just a yeah. a noble with no purpose. So this was to help. Oh shit! Build his brown brand. What? Noble with no purpose. Yeah, that's a slogan. Wow. There you go. You're like a rhymer. Yeah, I'm a rhymer. I'm Slimer. Slimer of rhymer. <laughs> yeah, you're like. Uh, you look like Slimer, all right. Um, <laughs> oh, I think I agree, Andy. You know, we're romantics at heart. I think we want to see a happy ending to this. Um, I mean, I don't think I care about the happy ending so much, but, you know, I think most people like that. Makes for a better story. Yeah, they want to feel... And they all died. The end. Like, I'm okay with that, to be honest with you, but <laughs> I, I agree with you in that I think most people don't feel satisfied with that. Yeah, I mean... They don't feel good about it being that the whole family got, you know... It, imprisoned i guess by the bolsheviks they were in custody right. of the bolsheviks and then the bolsheviks just decided that they were more of a liability alive than they were dead so that they <laughs> murdered all of them and then freaking messed up the burial and stuff Jeez. <laughs> to leave us with all these questions um yeah i mean like lots of fairy tales and whatever throughout life have been or nursery rhymes or whatever like like the original little mermaid is like a totally tragic fucking story but then you know disney comes along and they or whatever make it happier yeah or like the hunchback of notre dame like i think that i forget how that originally ends i think he dies where he kills everybody or kills esmeralda 
Like he's actually a religious fanatic or something like that. But uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there. We're not talking about France. We're here in Russia. <laughs> we already stated this in the research, but I also pointed it out as a fun fact that Anastasia was not a traditional Russian imperial name derived from the Greek Anastasia, meaning resurrection. Mm-hmm. So, Andy, my question to you, do you think names make the person or does the person make the name? Did being an Andy influence your life? Uh, I think it has an amount of influence. I uh, I think the book Freakonomics had some study. Freak! I'm just a freak on onomics. I'm a freak onomics. Yeah. yeah, I love that corn song. Yeah, corn. Feeling like a freakonomics. Um, I think they had something about they did a study into whether your name has some bearing on your life. You know, I don't know. It's something about court filings and stuff. And I think that they determined that there appeared to be some level of correlation, but it wasn't totally clear. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where I think it's just giving you a name doesn't change anything, but that some people get certain names because of other circumstances that exist in their world. And that more strongly affects the outcome of, of the trajectory of their lives. And it has some, uh, correspondence with the name. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? I guess it's a very Andy answer, right? I'm saying that like, if my, if my parents were really bad, like if your me, name was Gibraltar, <laughs> yeah, I would have grown up to be the greatest wrestler WWE had ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if my parents hated me and called me shitty, Shitty butt. <laughs> and that was my name. That is it? No. That's Uh-oh. just what people call me. That's a nickname. Uh, but if my name was, my real legal name was Shitty Butt, you know, there's probably a good chance that my parents are not great parents. So I might end up living up to the name Shitty Butt, but it's probably not just because I was named that way. It's a collection of other circumstances that lead to me being the Please. personification of Shitty Butt. My dad was Mr. Butt. Call me Shitty Butt. I go by shit. Shit for short. Yeah. You can call me SB. Did being an Andy influence you in your life? Do you feel like that? Yes or no? I don't think so. I don't think it had it. I think I could have been as just as easily a Derek. <laughs> Derek? I don't know. What's up, Derek? See? My co-host, Derek. See? Derek we- Butt. <laughs> Derek Butt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I could have been a John. Yeah. Any, Matt. like... Matthew. Boring Christian name, right? Yeah. Any one of the saints. Yeah. Uh, being an Arthur 100% influenced my life. 100%. How so? How so? Well, uh, I am named after my grandfather, uh-huh. which always, when you're the firstborn Italian son of an Italian family named after the uh, grandfather, oh boy, big deal. Then also you got the King Arthur stuff. Explains why I'm so vain. Yeah. You got the TV show Arthur. Don't forget existed. the King Arthur flower. <laughs> yes. Great flower. Uh, employee owned company. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. One of the few. That's what we use at home. That's what we use too. King Arthur flower now sponsoring Mr. Bunker's <laughs> Conspiracy Time podcast. Get at us. All purpose. The all purpose podcast. Whole wheat. Bread flour. Yeah, no, we have all purpose. 
Oh, we have a lot of different varieties of flour in our oh, house. You're always making garlic knots and all sorts of shit in your house, huh? Cake flour. Making cakes? I'm not making cakes. Rasputin cakes? Rasputin cakes. <laughs> now from the makers of Zebra Cakes come Rasputin, Rasputin cakes. cakes. It looks like his face. <laughs> it's filled with raspberry blood. <laughs> Punch him in the eye to see the blood bleed. <laughs> Rasputin cakes. Um, no, being an Arthur, I mean, uh, I used to hate having a name that was so different from everybody. But now that I've grown up, I really like it. Because it's unique and it's, you know, it's kind of me. So how did this affect your life, though? It's just a lot of different. I mean, it's just like that that sort of like being praised because I'm the... I guess it's more so being the firstborn son, but mm, I get it. But also like having the King Arthur narrative, having the TV show, it affected me. Kids, uh, kids would jokingly say I was an aardvark. I wore glasses. Um, if I didn't have that name, they wouldn't be calling me. An so aardvark. this really did lead to the pumping up of your ego. Oh yes, because you had the firstborn stuff, the King Arthur stuff. Oh yeah, the popularity of the Arthur character. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, it's all making sense to me. <laughs> I'm a freakonomic baby. Yeah, uh, I don't know. There weren't really any. Uh, there weren't really any popular Andes. There's never been one. Uh, <laughs> what about um, Prince Andrew? You want to be like him, especially right now? No, thank you. <laughs> Pass. Speaking <laughs> of royal families, wonder if we'll see any Romanovs on the Lolita Express, huh? Um, I don't know. There aren't that. I don't know the the. I don't know if they uh how many. They're Dutch. One of them was Dutch, right? Something. They're uh they're from like a German house. Oh, German. Okay. There's at some point they they get into this German house. When you talk about royal houses. You know, in a way, Anastasia never died because her legend lives on. In so many forms of media. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Anna Anderson. Oh, yeah. Let's right? talk about her. The most famous Anastasia impersonator. There's been hundreds. Yeah. Uh, but she was definitely the most famous. Yeah. Uh, turns up in a canal, tried to commit suicide. Uh, gets taken to a mental asylum. Uh, she bounces in and around, in and out of asylums through most of her adult life. Uh, or she oscillates wildly between staying with royalty because people who were sympathetic to the Romanovs would take her in. Yeah, and she could stay at their like estates and stuff. Uh, with them and oscillating between that and being in asylums. Until she marries uh, this uh, this professor uh, from the United States, uh, and then lives with you know becomes his wife, and he referred to her as Anastasia. But the whole time she never, at first she never says that she's Anastasia, right? Um, and you know, like the the Dowager Empress Marie from the Anastasia movie was actually a real person. Yes. Uh, Nicholas's mother was still alive, refused to meet with Anna Anderson, even though some of the family did. Yeah. Um, hated that she was parading herself around as her slain granddaughter. Yeah. Which is 
Totally fair. <laughs> the real life Marie never offered uh, a reward. Um, the speculation is that the Romanovs really didn't have any money outside of the stuff that, you know, they had as through being the royal family. Mm. So they didn't have a bunch of money stocked away in foreign banks, which was a lot of the speculation. Um, so there was never any reward. Marie never met Anna Anderson. Right. Uh, she never weighed in on it. She was convinced that they all died uh, in the house of special purpose, like the official story says. Um, and it's kind of incredible that uh, so many people connected to the Romanovs actually met with Anna Anderson, went to the asylum in Berlin. Uh, somehow that got out. But it's it's so close to when the executions were. Right. You know, this was in, within the first couple of years. Right. And, you know, people who were confused about what happened to the Romanovs. Yeah. You know, when you put it in the historical context that Lenin wasn't forthcoming uh, because he's trying to hide this. And then it's not uncommon for uh, Russian nobles to end up in Berlin um, to begin with. It kind of makes sense that people would think, oh, this is a possibility right. that one of them got got out of, you know, escaped because they probably didn't know that the children were subjected to this horrible uh, murder. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's crazy that she she got so fucking far with it. The I real mean, problem is there was no DNA testing at the time. Yeah, because the the report uh, that was financed by a Romanov relative that the Berlin newspaper ran, I mean, it pretty much said Anna Anderson was a Polish factory worker who. Uh, developed some mental health issues after an explosion. Got it on the nose. Yeah. And then that's the DNA backs that up. I mean, her family uh, was willing to uh, claim her as one of their own, but because of these weird quirks and stuff, because it was Nazi occupied um, at the time, like Nazi Germany. Right. Something in the paperwork, they didn't want to sign it because they were Polish or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it ended up, at the courts with that really unsatisfying sister kissing verdict uh, that she wouldn't, didn't prove that she was Anastasia and also didn't prove that she was not Anastasia. So she basically <laughs> proved nothing. Uh, and that's how it ended up. And then it just, it, it sticks like that until they can finally do some real testing. But by that point, people have already glommed onto this, that this person could have been Anastasia. Uh, so even now that they have, really good testing done. Yeah. And they've pretty much accounted for everybody that was in the house of special purpose in those grave sites, including the people that were not the Romanovs servants. And yeah. There was four servants that were with them, uh, including all of that. Um, there's still this, this air of speculation about the, the whereabouts of the children. Now, you were involved in a stepsister kissing verdict to prove whether or not you are part of the Bush family. Is that right? <laughs> what? <laughs> you heard me. You're part of a stepsister, stepsister kissing verdict kissing. to prove whether you are not part of the uh, Bush family. The Bush family? Like the George Bush family? Oh, yeah. Like Jenna and... Uh, yeah. Whatever the other twin's name is? Kennedy's. Kennedy's? Either one. Pick one. Wait. <laughs> yes, I was involved. I'm just going to say yes. 
Anyway, folks, we'll be here all week. <laughs> I'm going to use my improv training and say yes. Yeah. And stepsister kissing. Uh, not sister kissing. It's stepsister kissing. That's exciting. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, I mean, uh, Andy, I don't know if you have anything else to bring up with the story. I'm I just want to say the church didn't exhausted. help anything. Yeah. Because because they they took this position of benign non-recognition of the remains that were found in 2007. Right. Which was which is really probably uh it's either Anastasia or Maria and Alexi were the two bodies that they found in the other grave. So part of that helps make this continue to be speculative because not right. all of the Romanovs are officially accounted for because the church won't recognize these remains because since they've canonized them, they can't, they couldn't have been buried the way that a normal person was buried. So because that happened, I mean, I don't get it. Like I don't understand how the logic works on this and yeah. it, there is no logic obviously, but it's even in the past, the church had nothing to do with the burials, but because the bodies were buried in a way that's inconsistent with how you would bury holy relics or you would treat the remains of a martyr or a saint, that the church doesn't recognize those remains as being part of the Romanov family. So they called in all these scientists and it's not concluded yet what their church is going to find out. Then meanwhile, at the, at the 100... When it marked a hundred years in 2018 of, you know, since the Romanov's murder. Right. Uh, the church floats this theory that uh, it maybe wasn't actually just the Bolsheviks doing it. It wasn't the government, that it was actually some sort of Jewish ritual murder, which is like <laughs> just so out of left field, like yeah. so anti-Semitic, uh, which I guess is fine because uh, Nicholas II was also an anti-Semite. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like... But they float that out there with no evidence other than that Yakov Yurovsky was of Jewish descent. Right. So, and I don't even know why they would float it out there other than to, like, stir up anti-Jewish sentiment at the same time as the centennial marker for the executions. Yeah, that's super confusing to me. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. they So, they do they recognize the first burial, though? Mm-hmm. So, how are they buried differently? Well, they, so when they exhumed the first bodies, uh, when they excavated the first gravesite in the 1990s, uh, they determined that these were Romanovs, the remains of the Romanovs. And the church, uh, while Boris Yeltsin was in power, they did this grand reburial thing. Right. The church abroad had already recognized the Romanovs as saints, but the Russian church hadn't done it yet. They didn't do it until the year 2000. So those bodies were found before they were officially canonized. Oh. And then these two were found after the fact. Okay. So there's that. It's just this timing thing, but they never, they didn't know that the second grave site was over there. So when they finally found it and found these bodies, all the testing shows that they're Romanovs because they can do this mitochondrial DNA testing. I mean, they've, they tested Prince Philip and other relatives in Europe uh, and the USA. They got, uh, or Canada, they got uh, the mitochondrial DNA to match. I mean, Anna Anderson didn't match at all. Right. Um, there was no match to the Romanovs. And yet the church won't recognize all of this because 
those bodies were buried. Those were saints, two saints that were buried in that plot, but saints can't be buried the same way <laughs> that normal people are buried. Uh, yeah, that doesn't make any fucking sense, but hey, whatever. You know, I guess. And then they float this whole, like, it's the Orthodox Church. This whole, like, just, I mean, anti Semitic theory out there for, I mean, no apparent reason. Just out of left field. Yeah. Confuse them. Yeah. So they haven't answered the actual first question that they asked. And then they're like, well, you know, maybe <laughs> it's this. See, that's the art tactic. The anti tactic is to give the most like gray area answer. The art tactic is to say like, well, what about this weird thing? Huh? This direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just totally like try and get them off, off track with the, uh, of the original thing. Ritual to answer murder it. thing. Yeah. So that, uh, I don't know that. That uh, it doesn't. I'm not sure how well received that ritual murder thing was. Did you in steal Russia? those cookies from the cookies jar? Art? I don't know, but uh, there's a bunch of uh, raw steaks outside on the backyard. Who put those there? Raw steaks. <laughs> Jeffrey Ross's notes are in their backyard. <laughs> Jeffrey Ross, noted roastmaster Jeff Ross, leaves his notes in the backyard. <laughs> All those Ross takes. <laughs> All those hot takes he's got. Yeah. Those hot, hot Charlie Sheen roasts. <laughs> 45 pages of nothing but Charlie Sheen roasts. <laughs> I've got the Ross tapes. This is gold, Jerry, gold. <laughs> I've got the hidden Ross tapes. I've got the... The Ross tapes, unfortunately, uh, they, they couldn't be... Uh, they couldn't be... <laughs> canonized because um they weren't buried properly mm, that's too bad get it yeah it's like like the romanovs yeah i like get it it's like funny dude very funny very right. chill <laughs> anyway andy should we get to our verdicts um yeah let's get to our verdicts okay um here's my verdict yeah I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go full bore, and I'm just gonna say full bore mode. Andy has grown tusks, <laughs> wild wiry feral hog. Uh, I'm gonna say He's an Iberian hog. I'm gonna cut him up and make chorizo out of him. Oh, you could turn me into jamon. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna say, did like blanket? I'm just gonna make it. Did anybody survive the house of special purpose? No. Yeah, it's not plausible. Uh, I'm going to say case closed. Woo! Case closed. I, to me, uh, I know Anastasia, our listener friend, you brought up uh, a professor who mentioned that they faked the Anna Anderson DNA evidence. Um, you know, I, there's just nothing, there's not, that's speculative. You I can't think, find anything. Yeah, I can't find anything that, that really leads me to believe that that's the case. Um you know, I think the DNA evidence in this case is is pretty overwhelming. Uh, I think it's a bunch of uh, fluky things and incompetence that led to this even being an issue for this long and not already being settled. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with the way the Bolsheviks handled it at first and then the way the church has handled it in more recent times. Uh, to me, it's case closed. I think uh, all the Romanovs, the royal family, the Russian ruling family was murdered uh, in the cellar of the House of Special Purpose in Ekaterinburg. Um, I... That's uh, it. Case, yeah, case, case closed. Case closed. You have nothing else to say? I, I can't say anything Shut else. Shut your mouth. 
<laughs> Andy has just swallowed his own tongue. Um, listeners, uh, the House of Special Purpose, not to be confused with the House of the Rising Sun. Two different there places. There is a house in Ekaterinburg. They call the Special Purpose. And it's been ruined of many a Roman family of... <laughs> And Lord only knows I'm one. It's me, Anastasia. <laughs> uh, we're the Anastasias. Well, yeah. The M. The Animal Stasias. Animal Stasias. There it is. I have to echo my co-hosts, your co-hosts. Verdict, I too am saying case closed. Oh, a rare uh, double match. Double, double whammy. Double, double. Double, double from in Double your pleasure. Double your fun. Double your verdict with Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Uh, I had to agree. I think they died in the most tragic, gruesome way I've read in a long time. Um, <laughs> I often read about how people have died, and this is one of the most gruesome I've read in a while. Helps me go to sleep. Uh I mean, it it's disgusting, you know, and there's also claims that they mutilated the bodies and did stuff to the, you know, body. disgusting. Absolutely Pilfered disgusting. the jewels. Yeah. They took the jewels. They stole the jewels. Fucking, I mean, you know, listen, I understand that there are sometimes when a, a revolution happens, you know, it's like, I don't know. Anyway, whatever. There should be due process. <laughs> You know, yeah, just, they they we should just be around murdering people for no reason. They were planning to uh, to actually bring uh, Nicholas to trial, right? But because of the encroaching white army, they sped up the process. They're just like, oh, I gotta get rid of him. Yeah. So, um, yeah, case closed as well. Unfortunately, I think this one doesn't get a happy ending, but um. Her murder and the family's murder lives on in yeah. legend and lore. And um, listeners, what do you think? What do you think about this story? Let us know uh, if you agree with our verdicts or what your verdict is. Use the hashtag. Uh, Roman off the ranch. <laughs> Roman off the ranch. <laughs> Netflix is the ranch. Starring Ashton Kutcher. Uh, Funked. And funked. Uh, Get funked, Romanovs. Um, Let us know what you think. Email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Tweet at us, at mrbunkerpod. Slide into our DMs, mrbunkerpod on Instagram. Hit us up on the web, mrbunkersconspiracytime.com. If you do submit a, a, a topic for us to discuss... Perhaps you too will hear your topic discussed on this very podcast, much like our very own listener, Anastasia. Thank you again to Anastasia for submitting that topic. Great topic. Including a lovely note uh, along with it. Thank Uh, you for listening. Great topic. Great topic. That was our verdict. Andy, real quick. Yeah. I want to know what you would do Mm -hmm. with the Romanoff fortune. Wow. Well, as I said, there was none. But isn't there? So I guess I'd live my life the way I live it now. <laughs> oh, God. 
You mean if the speculated fortune was real? Yeah, isn't there a speculated that they had a big fortune? Yeah, that was very much speculated. Um, what would I do with it? How much hypothetical? How let's much say fortune are they we? do some DNA testing. It turns out you're Romanov. Wow. Uh, how much? How much are we talking here? How much was it speculated to be? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, let's say $300 million. Let's just say a fortune that would turn you into nobility. All right. 300 million U.S. dollars. Yeah. Um, what would I do with that money? You're not Bezos. No. What would I do with that money? Yeah, what would you do with it? Um, I mean, this will probably shock you. Like an electric eel. But I'm going to give you probably a pretty boring answer. Oh, no. But that's not good listening. Oh, so I'm going to think of something. I would set up a trust fund for my for my family that they I'd couldn't pay touch till age 18. I'd pay off all my loans and I'd debt. pay off all my debts. I'd invest it well. Uh, and then I would just live off that money. You wouldn't even buy property? Maybe. I might consider it. Jeez. Depends if the aspects were right. <laughs> Uh, if it was a good deal, I would do it. You're going to have people coming after you. This yeah. isn't a quiet thing. That's why I say it's better. You're going to just... gonna have to hire a big time law firm. <laughs> oh, 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 you mean I'll be sued a lot? No, you'll just have. Andy, if you win the lottery, like creditors come after you. People write you letters. Like people don't leave you alone. Yeah. People just uh, come up to you and they're like, oh, I'm your long lost cousin. Yeah. Yaborski Romanov. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, geez. I'd be like, well. Guess I got to give him a couple mils. I'd be like, well, sorry. <laughs> I'll buy, I'll pay for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm an awkward, you shouldn't have led with this. I, <laughs> I don't know you. I'm not going to give you money. Um, What's the fun answer? The fun answer is that I would build an amusement park dedicated to me, uh, and it would be all rides that I like and uh, stuff. And it would my picture would be plastered everywhere. Uh, all the rides would be themed <laughs> toward me. Okay. Um. So. So there's a ride where you um, kind of like uh, Superman, the Superman ride at uh, Six Flags, where it goes up, it reaches a. Uh, the the peak velocity and then it comes back down. But this one is themed that it's like it's you in band in high school and you almost reach Europe, <laughs> but then you get sent back down. I was going to say it's like me trying to get out of bed in the morning <laughs> where I get I I lift my leg in the air and I try to give myself the leverage and then I just sort of fall backwards still. There's a, there's a lot of like fun amusement park games where you can win prizes. One of them you have to shoot blanks at a... Yeah. Uh, at uh, embryos, yeah. At uh, at uh, uh, balloon, human, balloon human embryos, eggs. Um, I think that there would be a roller coaster that uh, roughly follows the trajectory of my career in comedy. So it's the world's smallest drop, and then it's just flat <laughs> on the ground. It's not even elevated on a platform. It's literally just on the ground on the track, uh, and it goes real slow. It's because the hill's so small, it never has it. There's no inertia. It's just you have to, it just sort of chugs around the track and then that's it. It's a very disappointing ride. Uh, and it costs you money to ride it. <laughs> yeah. 
on in t- on top of what you pay to get into the park. Yeah, that's a special yeah, ticket yeah, ride. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that's pretty. That's a cool park. Yeah, that would be a fun park. That's what I do with the three hundred bill. Yeah, I'm not going to that park though. Well, fuck you. You don't need to. I'm not invited. Damn, I can't get entry. <laughs> yeah, we got your picture up in the ticket booths. Do not admit this man. <laughs> well, listeners, um, Andy, unless there's anything else you have to say, I think that's all there is to say about Anastasia Robot. Um, thanks again to Anastasia for sending in Anastasia. Um, and for the titular Mr. Bunker, and for my Simony co-host. Wow. Andy Hart fits in with this topic. Yeah, yeah. I'm Arthur Stone saying that was the whole enchilada. Dos vidonia. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.